We're in pre-show banner right now. This is yeah, it. We're just we're just not as so, good at pre-show banter as some of the others. No, we lost Jeffrey. His lost internet Jeffrey. just went out on him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> After he was complaining that his internet kept dropping out. And and, and then uh, there were three. Right, we hit the live button. There he goes. <laughs> poor, poor Jeffrey. All right, it's May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, de Mayo, however you want to say it, the day after Star Wars Day, and uh, we have a cast of rookies here today. Me, who's not the, the, the InfoSec guy, but I'm joined with Dale and Noah, who are, who are fairly new to BHIS, but they're the experts, and we had Jeffrey... But we think his internet died on him just as we we're going live. He might pop back in, hopefully. We will see. We got a couple of articles lined up, and I believe you guys wanted to start with the Dell stuff, correct? Uh, I was actually thinking the help desk, but the we, help we desk. can do Dell either. Help desk. I'll go to help. I'll go into what you want. All right. Who's explaining this one for us? So Dale, you, you posted if you want to start on that one, then... Uh, this is actually Jeff's that. one, but oh, this was um, Jeff. Right. Oh, that's a great yeah. pick. Great first pick. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I can kind of uh, paraphrase it to an extent. I mean, it, it's interesting because it basically just talks about the fact that, I mean, realistically, it, it's never a good idea to just reset passwords blindly for anyone who calls and says, "Oh, hey, I'm so and so. Like, please reset my password." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, let's do it." Like, <laughs> that's not a. That's not a, obviously. That's a poor idea. I and mean, this kind of just goes over some general ideas. I mean, obviously, you should really read it and evaluate for your own needs some. But uh, I think it's a good conversation starter just in regards to what 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 do we think are some good practices in regards to help desk security and how they should take care of that? Because it's a difficult situation. I worked help desk for a while. And uh, I, it's sometimes pretty hard when you're when someone who claims to be the manager mm. just calls and like, hey, I need you to reset so and so's password like. Even though they're the manager, like, does that really give them, does that, is that, is, I, I guess that's kind of a good starting point. Like, is it okay if the manager calls and asks for a password reset for an employee? Like, is that an acceptable thing? Because in theory, you're giving that manager now full access to imitate that employee. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't agree with the manager being able to reset. I mean, that's similar to anytime you're being asked to do an investigation on, on a, a user's browser activity or something like that. That type of stuff, my opinion is that that stuff should come from HR. So if the you know, user themselves isn't asking or isn't the one requesting the password reset, then the request should have some approval from HR. Now, is that is that realistic and you know sustainable? Maybe, maybe not. But what we do see a lot is you know when you when you call your bank or or the IRS or Revenue Canada, whoever you're, you know you you they do make you do some some verification of your account, but most of the time within a business or an organization, my experience has been that when you pick up the phone and say, hey, can you reset my account? All they really ask you is your name. There's, they don't really do anything to verify that you are who, you, who you're saying that you are. This, this sounds a little bit like it ties into what you were talking about on, on Monday with your, your account <laughs> getting hacked, uh, your credit. It's, it's, it's a hard thing, especially with information that that sensitive. I mean, how, can, how do you prove... How do you, you take DNA tests? I mean, how well, far can it, we go on this? 
Yeah, I mean, and it's really interesting if you think about the data that's in like Active Directory, you, you don't necessarily have like the employee's social security number stored in there. So you're, you're kind of limited to an extent on what you can actually use for verifiable information sometimes. And, and I think that's just an interesting, an interesting concept. Like what can I use to actually verify an employee who has called me and said, hey, I'm so-and-so, I've locked myself out or I forgot my password. I mean, I can be like, who's your manager? I mean, that's a good start, but that's also just available on Facebook. How far do you go? The question for the ages. And I just got a, a ping from, from Jeffrey saying his internet did drop out and he's uh, he's trying to get back on here. So when he does, we will bring him back up and uh, maybe he can add something for this. But uh, give me um, one of your favorites. Yeah, let's let's I mean, I'm, I'm cool yeah, sure. with a signal if that works with you, Dale. All right. Bringing that one up full. All right. So uh, this one was kind of one that I picked out. I, I liked it just because of, of what it talks about. I, my thing with Signal is usually something from Signal is usually prompted by another action, and from what I've seen, in my opinion. And I think this kind of has to deal with iOS's uh, release of the anti-tracking features in um, their iOS software. It, it's an interesting concept of basically Signal has launched a ad campaign using some of the data collected by Facebook for their targeted ads and that kind of stuff. They're just kind of going over that, which it's, it's I, I just find it interesting and, and kind of cool. But at the same point, obviously, Instagram, Facebook just ripped this down um, as soon as it started going out for obvious reasons. But yeah, I mean, I find it on that? interesting that the amount of personal information in here to be a little I don't know, concerning, I guess. I mean, I, I, on one hand, I guess I'm not surprised that they have all this information, like, you know, newlywed Pilates instructor and you like cartoons and, you know, parenting blogs. And I don't know, the, to piece it all together, kind of, you know, if I was to receive something like this, my first thought would be like, what the heck? Where did you get this information from? It's so easy to overshare with social media. that kind of gives you a little bit of shock about, wait, this is what, this is what they're doing with the stuff that I'm putting on here. I thought I was just talking to friends and family. And yeah, there's this company that's, it feels like they're spying on me. It's a, well, and- it's a good way to call it out i mean this stuff yeah has when, been you have, out when you have over kids over for years I mean, now they don't really think of the stuff that's being posted it's, you know this obviously this stuff is probably targeted more to, to, to adults just based on mm-hmm. the content of it or the examples at least anyways but when you have young kids who just post stuff you know nearly willy all over the place and every little aspect of their lives they, they don't really seem to to really clue into what the repercussions are and this kind of to me this kind of really focuses in on like, well, well they piece all those little bits of, of information that may or may not have been made in the same context, but just, you know, little examples here or, or messages here and there, and they kind of piece together. It's a snippet of, of reality behind the scenes. Well, and one thing that I didn't see directly covered on this, but I mean, if Facebook knows that you're into newlywed Pilates, they know who your, your spouse is, who your, your children are, and to an extent they can extrapolate that, hey, they, they're with these other people they probably have some similar viewpoints. Those lines can be drawn. And then on the top of that, they don't, not everyone realizes just how much information you share. I mean, that gets said a lot, but some people don't know that there's a significance in Facebook knowing your location at all times. That I've, There's a lot of people that you don't necessarily want to know your location yeah. at all time. And I would say that Facebook is probably one of those people. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, especially when they their business is to make money off of you. It's, yeah. It definitely feels like a, a, a long-term bait and switch sometimes where the, all these startups offer you this free service and it seems great. And then 
How are they still? How are they still alive? They're not charging me for anything. So what's going yeah. on here? Anytime where you are not the customer, you are the product. Yeah, is kind of the the motto I take with that. Like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And in this case, this is how Facebook makes money as a business. Mm-hmm. I, and not I feel like Google the industry is kind else. of a, a broken record, and we're kind of we're probably talking to the the choir a little bit about that. But it's just one of those things that you got to just keep repeating because there still are so many people that don't realize what's going on because they're just not yeah. paying attention to it or for whatever reason. Yes, definitely. Yeah, you, so, they, and like you said, you're paying for it. one way or the other, you're paying for it. You're not meaning not be paying for it in cash out of your pocket, but you're mm-hmm. like, as you said, you are the product in this case. So, mm-hmm. and maybe you're okay with that. Maybe that's not a bad thing for who you are, and, but not everybody is. And especially if, if it's without your knowledge, that's a, that's a completely different story. Yeah. We always you hear people talk, talk like more so around the credit breaches and stuff like that. Oh, my data is out there already anyway. So why should I bother keeping anything private? Well, I guess you could argue that as well. Like we've, we've got so much of our lives out on social media uh, these days that is anything really private and personal anymore? Yeah. I mean, I guess my only counter to that is like if you did have some semblance of privacy before that, like you shot it to heck when you did the rest of it. But like. You you might as well at least attempt it because there might be one thing that they don't actually know that's actually worth keeping. But mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword and, you know, people ask questions if you're like, oh, no, I don't do the social media thing. They're like, oh, are you a Luddite? You know, fun mm-hmm. stuff. All right. What else we got here? Dell? Go for the Dell? Yeah, the Dell one's interesting. And I mean... <sighs> the fact that it's you know an undisclosed bug for that's been there for for 12 years wow um, i didn't realize that 12 years that's a long time to have i mean but when you think of some has, of the other well has it big stuff are, are we really surprised nowadays um, i don't know I, I read this and i thought okay well here goes another one but at the same time i was like wow 12 yeah. years undisclosed means that somebody knew about it for 12 years yeah so who um uh who knew about this exactly for 12 years did did dell know this for 12 years i didn't see anything in the article as to who it was that reported it um there are some bugs uh, there's a couple of cves in there that they uh they referenced in there so it kind of leads me to think that somewhere somebody had reported something uh sentinel labs i guess uh says they have a proof of concept exploit that they are holding until june 1st uh, at which point they're going to release it if it's not fixed so I guess uh, we could probably expect to see something to do with this one in the wild in the next month or so. So is this one of the one of those bugs where they considered it low priority and nobody's nothing's happening in the wild? So let's not spend any time on it. Let's go. uh, (laughs) Let's put our energy. They're probably thinking, "Hey, it's been twelve years and nothing's happened with it yet." So let's not rush it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you if you look at the first two that are really uh, up there, they're related to memory issues. And it, I've not done a ton with memory issues, but I, my understanding is that they're not exactly the easiest thing in the world to fix sometimes. So mm-hmm. now input validation, eh, you, you should have been able yeah. to catch that, in my opinion. But yeah, memory issues. Sometimes they're just like, oh, that's a lot of work and nobody knows about it. So why why would yeah. we fix the, it? The nice thing is that Dell did release an update for, uh, or a patch for it. So uh, as long as you're doing... Your, your security updates and your patches and whatnot, you should be covered with this if you're doing, you know, if you're, if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. This patch was released actually just yesterday. There we go. So that's how 
So, but it so still this is the, it uh, seems crazy to me that the, a company like Dell, as big as they are, could could know about this for that long and not even have take the opportunity to redesign anything in their in their uh, computers going forward. It's like okay, maybe we don't want to bother going back to patch it. But I didn't see anything in the article the that indicated that they that they knew about it, other than that they released a patch yesterday, and the article was dated yesterday as well. I think was it not? Yeah, I guess I just interpreted it. It's been there for 12 yeah. years and, and the code yeah. base around that particular okay. area hasn't changed. But kind of like the uh, the Meltdown Inspector stuff where they had been around for several years and then they're like, oh, hey, we found this thing. And yeah, of course, that was a whole other can of worms. But but it just really old vulnerability that just was never really found. I see. But, so it was just it's been there for 12 years, but it was fairly recently discovered. Yeah, is what that yeah, means. Well. That's my interpretation of it, anyhow. At least publicly. All right, that makes sense now. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about, I mean, specifically Dell, because I, I worked with a Dell shop for a while, is that, like, if you're not using something like Support Assist or one of their other app, update applications, like, you're not going to get the update for the firmware update driver and so, like, that that just re- is interesting. And, of course, like, then you have the issues in the fact that Support Assist has a ton of vulnerabilities around it. So are you, in fact, introducing more vulnerabilities into your system by adding this extra patching system that is, eh, anyhow? I, I mean, really, it's where you, you look into the third-party uh, patching providers that, that it starts to work a little better. But on the consumer base, I mean, I don't expect the consumers to be rushing out to go get this update, and it, it affects them mm-hmm. as well, so oh, yeah. So how could a consumer get updated for that? Would it be um, just a firmware thing that Dell releases through their own I mean, software if, mechanism? If they're running, like, uh, Support Assist or something like that, then it should automatically download that in theory on the consumer side of things. The other option is they'd have to go to Dell's website and go mm-hmm. to the support. And they tab, have to know to go to Dell's website. Yeah. That's, that's the problem is that you have to know to go look for this unless you have the like, yeah, Dell most, most consumer grade like, laptops channel coming for in for most people. Um, um, you know, no, 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 that's yeah. I mean, it comes bundled in, right? So unless you're, like us uh, InfoSec people who probably the first thing you do when you open the box is format mm-hmm. and reinstall Windows. Most of those people are going to have that software on there. Now, what does it auto-update? I don't think so. I think it probably pops up and says, hey, you have some updates, and you probably still have to click the button to, to do it. So, yeah, I would like to believe that a lot of people will say, okay, sure, I'll just, I'll just click that and update. Why not? Yeah. Uh, but there's probably going to be a lot of people who either don't pay attention to it or they've removed the application or the application doesn't work anymore or whatever the case is. So I don't know. It's someone else. I'm on, I guess. Especially if it's something that you need to restart for. Yeah. I mean, if it breaks, there's not an IT guy to go fix it for you later or whatever. Yeah. Now from the, on a, on a commercial side of things, I would hope that most IT people seeing this article are going to go out and download that update and push it out through whatever they use, SCCM or Tanium or whatever it is that they use. Oh, so hopefully that one gets out before, before the uh, proof of concept hits public uh, information. But do we touch on the pingback one already? I think we're just really efficient is what it comes back. The, the pingback one, I know, we, you know, it's one that's been hashed, hashed a number of times. Yeah, we can talk know, about I've, that. I've not used pingback for, for C2 myself. I've used it for data exfiltration in some cases, but this is interesting. I don't know if it's new to anybody out there or not, but... ICMP is enabled for almost 
every organization that I've seen, at least anywhere, it's ways for troubleshooting. So now it just seems like, you know, if, if it's, if people are going to be using it for, C, uh, for CT channels now, you know, is it time to just say, Hey, you know what, forget it. Just, 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 too, it's too risky. Just, just, let's just close that door. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not uncommon to see IMCP opened or up in the enterprise through the firewalls and, that was the biggest thing I saw with it when I looked at this. Like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. And the fact that it's going out via that channel. But at the same point, it also seems like I've seen more, more of them locking that down as well as time goes by. They're kind of coming to that conclusion. So I think this will just push it further in the fact that, yeah, it's probably just getting to the point where it's too risky at this point. But at the same point, you've got to be able to ping 8.8.8.8.8. Like otherwise, how do you know your internet even works? I mean, that's that's just how you that's how you know. Should we should we talk about the divorce? <sighs> you know, that Why one not? made me sad. That one made me sad to be honest. You, I mean, you know, anytime you see a um, you know a divorce come up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's scary. It's it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's, it's like if if they can't make it happen, how is anybody else going to make it happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, twenty seven years, and they've got you know their. They're a charitable foundation that they've got together. And I'm kind of curious what's going to happen with that. Will they dissolve it or will they, you know, is it an amicable I'd divorce? I'd be surprised if uh, they dissolve that. They said they would still work together and that they were still going to work together as partners on the foundation is what I saw. But yeah, so it kind of reminds me back of the, you know, of, of the Amazon guy, Jeff uh, was Jeff Bezos or whatever his name was uh, when him and his wife split, yeah. right? Like didn't really seem to be like there was any major impact to to amazon itself so hopefully there's nothing in fact uh the the money he lost in the divorce he made up like uh well i don't know how quickly but rather quickly let's be honest the amount of money he lost in divorce is most more than most of us are ever going to see in our lives anyway so that's true but it's not like he was it it didn't hurt him at all it was just a small bump in the road and he gained it all back eventually it's like good gosh what a way to live. All right. What'd you send me here, Noah? Uh, I did add in some uh, an article about some iOS zero days, it looks like. All right. I mean, it's not, not a ton to talk about, but uh, it looks like there was some, it has the potential for some drive-by RCE, which is interesting just because, for those who don't know, and because we have a ton of time, drive-by RCE just meaning that essentially you browse to a web page and it will execute through your browser. And that's always a fun thing. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you see at like Pwn to Own and that kind of stuff. And it's, I find those very interesting because some people are like, well, if I do it in the browser, I, I've literally seen people who are like, well, I won't download the app, but I'll go visit in the browser. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that concept. And it's, it, I'm like, no, you, you, you don't understand. The browser can be just as susceptible. Mm-hmm. Now we'll let the actual hackers talk. Uh, uh, Jeff has returned. Hi, Jeff. Not your it, little low volume. This one also, it. looking at it, it's not just one bug that they're addressing here. There's four different uh, CVEs that they're addressing. That's yes, there is that's, four um, CVEs. I mean, they just patched this like a week ago, too, didn't they? No. Yeah, it's a fairly recent patch. Yeah, it came out immediately. A bunch of updates this earlier this week. It, it was a, a point update for security. And it looks like some of these have been around since iOS 12. So welcome back, Jeff. You back with us on audio? I believe I'm back with y'all on audio. We uh we did want you to uh talk about the which one was the oh, service yeah, the desk one? Yeah. We were gonna ask you to since it was uh one of your links, I think it was. Yes, it was. I just I'd like to be to be heard. Can you hear me okay? I think you're loud enough to be heard. 
Okay, well that's good. Um, this 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 just came out today, and it just kind of hit near and dear to my heart, which is the whole password policy and how passwords are reset by help desk, and you know what we as security professionals can do to offer guidance, as well as you know what we as you know information technology individuals can do. This has always been a big issue, and will probably continue to be one until we can really get our hands around it. Uh, I can speak from experience, having seen this firsthand. It's not easy to deal with, but you know there are a couple of things to think about, which you know I've seen firsthand, which is Passwords being reset by help desk. First of all, the whole process really needs to be reviewed at an organization level. You know, proving who you are, because I have seen it, several instances where anybody could call in and reset a help desk for a user just because they sound like the user or they think, well, the user's a boy, it's a boy on the phone, it must be them. So, in addition to just, you know, verifying who they are, a common issue that we also discussed internally as well was, you know, sometimes you just you can't check that checkbox that says force a reset password. And so that may require some additional steps to be taken for the IT organization. One thing I've you know seen done in the past was if someone calls them for a password reset, let's you know the help desk, don't just close the help desk. You know, let's keep that help desk open and live and let's check back on that user and actually make sure they actually reset their own password. So we if not, let's reach out and give them a soft touch saying, you know, mm -hmm. we do need you to reset your password as soon as possible in order to, you know, maintain security measures here at our company. There are also several systems, um, SIMs that I've come across, which you can actually flag users in the SIM to kind of remind you at a stock level that this user's password has been changed or reset so that you can watch them and can actually, you know, coordinate those efforts with your help desk personnel to let them know, hey, you know, Mary reset her password today. I just wanted to let you know she's already changed it again, so you can go ahead and close that help desk. So, you know, it's a little give and take beside both sides of the organization, you know, IT and security you know, sometimes get caught on the opposite sides of the spectrum. But in reality, we're all really on the same team. and We need to work together to help solve these problems. It really only takes a couple extra seconds to actually even just stay on the line with them because they're already calling you. You already got them on the phone. They're calling to change the password. Is it really going to take that much more of your time to spend an extra 30 seconds? Of, hey, why don't you just go ahead and change it right now? I'll wait with you on the phone just in case you have any issues. You know, they get the password changed and they don't have to worry about it again. You don't have to worry about it again. You don't have to set yourself a reminder to go back to it a little bit later. And again, What's an extra 30 seconds in the day? Exactly. Really? But, but it's 4.59 and I clock out at 5. Come on. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, there's that. I mean, the other thing I find interesting is, uh, like, what do you do? How do you verify that the user is actually who you're talking to, especially if you don't have access to, like, the HR system? If you're working solely with information in Active Directory, you, what, what can you use for verifiable information for the, of the end user? Um, internally, one of the things we actually did have set up, it, or we were working on setting up, wasn't actually full grown live when I left, but we were actually working on a, a set of security questions that the user had to pick. If there was just, it wasn't just data in Active Directory, the help desk could actually view this information and actually know that the person they're talking to is validating the information to at least give you a reasonable effort that this is the person you're speaking to. I mean, obviously, you can't rely on the common things, which is caller ID is not one I would rely on at all, just because it's so easy to compromise caller ID or spoof it. So you really need to rely on additional information. One thing we looked at in some cases, we actually had to call the person back on a known cell phone number that we had for them on file. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. That's a good idea. I like that one. Yeah, Ben just posted in the chat there, you know, in a large organization, 30 seconds is huge. If you have 100,000 users and getting several hundred password resets per day, that's that's a lot of time. And, and yeah, it is. I kind of, you know, I'll push that back. Like if you're getting hundreds of password resets a day, why are you getting so many password resets? Are your users forgetting their passwords? Is your is your password, com or password requirements too complex? There's got to be some reason. So maybe 
at this point, we, we would maybe want to go on and look at the underlying reasons as, okay, well, why is there so many re password resets? I'm not saying that, you know, that password resets aren't going to happen because they do. I know I've, I've worked in places where we have quite a lot of, the, uh, quite a lot of password resets every single day as well. But you know, on the same, uh, same note, yes, it's 30 seconds. And yes, those 30 seconds could add up, but it's 30 seconds now or a massive potential breach, you know, next week or yeah, later. later today. Say, so breaches I mean, take a lot of time too. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's kind of six of one, half a dozen the other, right? So yeah, that's that's a good one. I mean, another thing that I've seen done, um, if you're utilizing a solution like Okta or something like that, you can actually have a multi-factor password reset option, which is a is a good one in my opinion. So if you haven't looked into that, like that's definitely worth looking into. But but yeah, and the just standard Active Directory help desk. If you have pretty limited information, you about have to resort to some sort of like on-file information. Um, either security questions or the, I like the idea of the cell phone number. That's that's a I like that one a lot actually. But of course, you're still going to get that user who's going to be like, "Oh, hey, I changed my cell phone last week, and you know, for some reason, my password was stored in my cell phone." I I don't know. They'll find a way around that, but it's it'll just mean that you'll have to have a process in place for when they try to get around that. Like yeah, that. self. I like I'm a big fan of the self service password reset options now. The downside of those is that they have to have some way for, to validate, and it usually ends up going back to the what's your mother's maiden name, what's your favorite, you know, food, what, you know, what was your your, you know, you name your first dog, all the stuff that you find on social media, right? Even though you put those in yeah. place, you're still going to have the people who are like, oh well, I'm busy, I don't have time to deal with that, I'm just going to call the help desk. Right back to square one. But yeah, plus keep in mind that like any information security or any IT problem for that matter, there is never going to be a one size fits all. So it's really about getting the conversation started internally and looking at solutions because the first idea your your organization looks at probably will not be the one you go with, but you know you got to drive those conversations. You know, get you get the business to, you know business leaders involved and, and together you know make it make it make it actual drive to get this problem fixed because if you just kind of keep making up all the reasons why it won't work, the problem will never get resolved and you know. Potentially, your company could be the one next on the big breach list. And uh, honestly, a, a breach is the kind of thing that puts companies out of business. I think we went through our links. That might be our show. Yeah, I was trying to hunt up another one, but I wasn't having a ton of luck. That's all right. We can have. It's good to have a short show. It's about yeah, thirty good, minutes here. We did do in thirty minutes. Back. Not too bad for the rookie crew. Yeah, and I just, I like <laughs> I said, I marked this up to efficiency. Like I, that, that's the only thing that comes to my mind. Well, let's wrap this up then. Our next one's going to be Monday, of course. We'll see if the, the whole gang comes back on. Next Wednesday, I believe, is our Backdoors and Breaches Day. If uh, we stick to that schedule, we'd be doing a live Backdoors and Breaches instead of the news. So if you're interested in that, you can check that out. And if you have no idea what that is, it is then you a should check game. that out. You definitely want you to definitely check should. that out. There we go. Yeah, t tell us. No, you do it a better job of explaining it than I'm going uh, to. I, I, I'm wow. Okay, <laughs> uh, being put on the spot, but Backdoors uh, <laughs> and Breaches is, is 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 my equivalent of cybersecurity Dungeons and Dragons, and it's just awesome. Mm -hmm. in the fact that you can sit down and do a tabletop simulation, it's actually something you can do at work. I mean. Not a lot of people are going to be like, oh, yeah, you can just play Dungeons and Dragons in the conference room. That's perfectly fine. But if you do it on a Friday afternoon, you can play Backdoors and Breaches in the conference room with your security team. And uh, it's just an interesting game. Definitely check out the stream. They'll teach you a lot about it. And if you want to get a deck, you should check out the Spearfish General Store.
Um, yep. And we Definitely. will work on getting a link for that or something. It's a really great way to like, you know, really look at your organization from a security perspective too, when you're using it internally, because it could actually point out or allow you to find potential issues in your incident response plans, you know, so you're actually can plan for those things in, in advance, which is a really, really helpful tool. Because I say it's turning something like that and gamifying it can actually mm -hmm. bring people into the mix that normally wouldn't be interested. But when you turn it into a game, everyone's really excited and it actually brings a lot of visibility to your information security program as a whole. Yeah, and that just helps out later on with your response if you actually have an actual incident. So yes. And uh, Ryan, do, do we know? Can we get the are the expansion decks out officially yet? I can't say. I know it's I very close, very close, but. I don't have the inside. If they're not out yet, Joshua, they will be soon. Yeah, it's it's going through final stages. I can say that much because that's as much as I know. With much but anticipation. But they're coming. And uh, I, I think I saw something that said the uh, the decks were sold out on the spear Spearfish store. Say that three times oh. fast. But, but, of course, we're going to make some more. Yeah. There's going to be more. But we always uh, have them at the, packs, at the table so at uh, Wildlife Hackenfest as well, so. Yeah, if you're guys, guys going out to Reno, we are doing our first event in Reno, Nevada this year. Go to, I got that link too, Wild West Hack and Fest, way west. I'll drop that. In. I'll put it in the show notes. How about that? Because I'm uh, about to wrap this up. Any last go, words? I think we're going to wrap it up. Go pat go go your Dell equipment. <laughs> Any last words? <laughs> go pat your Dell. Yes, yeah. Definitely go pat your Dell. Del. Go patch your just Apple patch if you haven't. Patch all the things. You really apparently. Shouldn't have by now. Yep. Yep. Just patch, just patch all everything. the stuff and don't randomly reset passwords. Yeah. All right. See you guys later. Thank you.